0: Today.
1: today.
0: Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines.
1: Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the Free Vision Christian Media app.
2: Life, culture and current events
3: from a biblical perspective 2020 on Vision.
2: And it's my privilege to welcome onto the airwaves today a man who is known to our audience as the passionately patriotic pastor Peter Pilt and previously He was uh, predicted to be the Prime Minister of Australia or potentially the President of Australia one day. And let's play the national anthem. Let's all stand across the nation wherever you are. Please welcome back to the airwaves, Pastor Pettipilts. How are you, sir? Good morning, my fellow Australians.
0: And good morning, Matt. How are you doing?
2: (laughs) Any fitter, I'd be dangerous.
0: Yeah, I like the idea that you put me as prime minister and potentially president.
2: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Who knows how it things always, will pan out?
0: <laughs> it, it actually is always a little bit controversial whenever you say, "Hey, you know, vote one Peter Pill for president," because people go, "But hang on, then we then we wouldn't be a constitutional monarchy." Yes, and um, actually, you know, I've, I've, I've probably changed a little bit. Oh, uh, since since when you and I used to chat. Uh, regularly on a Thursday, and uh, we would talk, and you know, we would have the same introduction that you just gave me. Yep, and, and I was probably, you know, pretty pro, kind of moving away from the monarchy. Yeah. Um. But I, and I started to study, particularly our flag, and and the Union Jack on our flag, and I started to understand that the Union Jack actually represents three countries, and in particular, the three patron saints of those countries and all of them were godly men uh that gave their lives for the cause of christ and i love the fact now that we have on our flag the union jack uh that represents uh you know the patron saint of, of uh, Ireland, the patron saint of england and the patron saint of um wales i think it is uh but i just i just love the fact that that the union jack stands for godly men that gave their life for the cause of christ
2: Amen. I love it, mate. Preach it. I, I'm, I'm on. I'm board with you, buddy. I love it. Now, so so we we'll, we'll forget the president
0: thing. We'll just become prime minister. Just prime
2: minister. That's fine. That, that works for me, mate. That's good.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, after Scott Morrison, uh, okay, because I think he's doing a pretty good job.
2: Yeah, let's let let's, let let's go and kind of have a couple of good terms. I reckon that that'd be good.
0: <laughs> uh, I reckon he needs to, needs two full good terms at least. Yep. Uh, and stop that revolving door of leadership that we've had over, as a debacle over the last decade.
2: Yes, amen. We need a, a good yeah. statesman like Johnny Howard was. You know, was he eleven years I think he was in. We need a good run like that, hey?
0: Yeah, we absolutely do. And, yeah. and you know, I, I've, I've lamented in the past that we've we've lacked in the, the the revolving door of leadership that we have had. We've lacked people that, have, or a man or a woman that's had that that statesman type leadership over our nation. And and uh, I certainly think that Scott Morrison has got the the uh the beginnings of that which is awesome
2: and you know i'll just ramble on here a bit mate part of the problem is the 24-hour media cycle and that politicians are constantly trying to win in the media and have their spin on the latest thing you know and and they can never have good long-term policy because they're always about to be added by someone you know um, that's why we it's need someone true. solid don't we yeah
0: mm. and and the media really have got a lot to answer for i mean you've, it's it's the politicians are trial by media, and, and they're, so they're forever having to pander to the media. But then you've got, like, like, like celebrities and sportsmen and, 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 you know, people that, that are high-profile, and it's trial by media. Yeah. And it, it's, it's almost like the media control what the population think, and, you know, we've got a pretty ugly leftist-leading media at the moment in the secular world, which is why we need uh, organisations like Vision FM, uh, and, and you know, so that we get like a balanced view on on life and, and politics and what's going on in the world.
2: Absolutely, mate. I love your passion for it. Now, uh, we do have an article today at our Facebook page. If people want to join the conversation, you can go to facebook.com forward slash vision radio. And uh, there's an interesting article there, uh, and the headline says, the, an internal AM, ALP audit of its 2019 federal election loss outlines why many faithful voters didn't go their way. And we're asking the question there, what are your thoughts on why Labor lost the federal election? Uh, and there's lots of comments coming through already. Uh, Peter, what are your thoughts on that, mate?
0: Look, I certainly think that, that one of the reasons why the, why Labor lost was because they isolated themselves away from people of faith. And I'm not just talking about Christians here. Uh, I've heard feedback from uh, Muslims in Western Sydney saying that, uh, you know, Labor, Labor didn't want to uh, have anything to do with anybody that believed in a deity. And, and so they, they isolated themselves away from people of faith. And so people of faith just went, well, we, we're going to vote somewhere else. Mm. And I'll, I'll tell you two stories. In the lead up to the election, um, there, was, there was a lot of uh, talk about the freedom of religion. And I actually represent my movement, which is INC, the International Network of Churches. I represent my, uh, my pres- my, the president of the movement, the chairman of the movement, Ross Abraham. I represent him on a heads of denominational uh, board. And they sent a letter out. They sent a letter. They wrote a letter, and then they sent it out to all the heads of denominations, wanting signatures of all the heads, uh, which we gave. And then they sent these letters, two letters. One went to Scott Morrison, who was leader of the opposition leader. Uh, uh, no, he was prime minister yet, yeah. and and then the other went to uh, leader of the opposition, which was Bill Shorten at the time, and uh, they basically was the, the letters were pretty much the same, saying, "Can you guarantee freedom of religion if you win the next election?" Now Scott Morrison answered that letter within 48 hours. Bill Shorten never answered the letter. Mm. Now you've got now in in the heads of denominations, uh, you know, I've sat in the room with 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 those guys, and you've got anyone from You know, uh, Catholics, Greek Orthodox, um, you know, all the majors, you know, Baptists, Anglicans, C3, ACC, INC, uh, CRC. I, I mean, you've got Presbyterians. You've probably got two or three million people, million Australians represented by the leadership in that room. And Bill Shorten couldn't take the time in the lead up to an election to answer a letter that was a major concern for people of faith. Yeah. That's the first story. The second story was that same same group, uh, heads of denominations meeting, and uh, what we used to do, when, um, particularly when Lyle Shelton ran the, the, uh, the organisation, uh, the Australian Christian Lobby, he would get, in the lead-up to an election, he would get the heads of denominations together and they would meet with the opposition leader and they would meet with the Prime Minister. And we would talk through our... Uh, our concerns and and you know policy uh, em- uh, issues and emphasis and all that kind of deal, and so we met with Bill shorten. I still remember we were down in Canberra, and we met with Bill shorten, he was in the leader uh, he was the leader of the opposition leading up to the election, not this one but the one before, uh, so it was about four years ago, four or five years ago and I walked away we, 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 we chatted with Bill, probably the meeting was oh, maybe forty minutes, and we chatted with bill shorten, and I walked away from that on and I made the comment to my wife. And I said, Bill Shorten does not understand the power of the church space. Like, he was so dismissive of us as a group of people that I was... I I, I just said, "He, he doesn't understand the power that we have as a voting bloc. Not that we all vote the same and not that Christians have to vote conservative. I, I, you know, it, It's a democracy. If you're a Christian and you want to vote Labor, that's fine. There's no problem with that. But, but I, I, from, a, from a, a, a Labor opposition uh, position, my observation was he didn't understand the church space. And I think that's another reason why he, he lost the election was he just doesn't get the church space.
2: Yep. And it was a miracle, wasn't it?
0: Oh, I just uh, well, <laughs> and, and it, re- it really was. I mean, Bill Shorten. I mean, I, I did feel, to be really honest, I felt sorry for the guy. Yeah. Because you, you imagine, you imagine you're Bill Shorten, and you've been you've been opposition leader now for like what six, seven years, eight years, and and, and you now believe that tomorrow morning you're going to be prime minister of the nation. Yeah. So you get up Saturday morning. It's election day, and you believe. I mean, he would have had his first hundred days planned out. He would have had his ministers picked out, his cabinet. Uh, he would have had. He would have had. Uh, you know, paint the, the paint colours picked out for the, for the lodge. Um, you know, he would have redecorated. You know, Air Force One. Oh, hang on, that's the wrong country. Um, <laughs> but, but he would have. He would have had all that organised, and then he goes to bed at night Saturday night, having been defeated. Like just from a just from a natural person perspective, you got to feel sorry for the guy.
2: Mm. Well, it right. certainly was. Uh, you know, all the polls, all the betting agencies, you know, everything you can imagine was was uh, favouring Labor, and uh, just goes but, to show you can't trust the media, you can't trust the pollsters, and you, you uh, know what? The,
0: the, the polls. The polls are a joke. I mean, the polls. The polls predicted that Trump wouldn't win, and he did. The polls predicted that Brexit wouldn't get up, and it did. The polls predicted Bill Shorten would win, and he didn't. I mean, you can't take uh, any poll, uh, like news polls, you, you can't take that as, as really knowing
2: what's actually going to happen. Mm. We've got Graham from Cleveland. How are you, mate? Oh, good. Thanks, Matt. Uh, any uh, any thoughts or comments? Yeah, I was just following
3: on from um, the comment about the uh, the Union Jack, um, The uh, the other country and uh state that that's represented is uh scotland through uh st andrew um
0: yeah so i made that... a
3: mistake i said it was wales but it was scotland it's, it's england england scotland <laughs> and ireland a- a- no not a problem but what i do i totally agree that it, that it is a representation of the origins of this nation and the uh and further back the the um the adoption of christianity by um the british isles so i think it's very important that it um that it maintains its representation the other comment I'd like to make is in relation to the, the post-mortem activities that happen after an election that the political parties go through. And I think sometimes um, they underestimate the, uh, the acuity or the intelligence of the electorate. And they often say that they that they didn't get up because the electorate didn't clearly understand their policies. My account to that is really so perhaps the electorate understood it better than they thought.
2: What are your thoughts on that, Pete? Pete, are you hey, there? Say
3: that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. So, so, say that again. So, so they they'll come up with a post, uh, you know, an analysis of their election loss, and and quite often they they might mention that they're um that they failed to sell or uh, convince the electorate that their policies that they were uh, uh, putting forward were were uh, beneficial to the nation. When I've seen in the past that the electorate perhaps clearly understands those policies and makes an intelligent judgment uh, based on the analysis of those policies and they say, no, that's
0: not for us. Well, I, I totally think... Uh, look, I, yeah, I, t- I agree with you. I, I actually think the, the electorate are more intelligent than what people uh, than what politicians give them uh, credit for. I, I'll give you an example. Um, the ALP, one of the policies that the ALP had was that they were going to get rid of franking credits, um, which, which for self-funded retirees... Uh, can be a significant part of their income. Now, I, I own not very many, but I own some Caltech shares. And uh, in the lead-up to the election, Caltech shares fell from $28 down to $21. And the reason they fell was because Caltech came out and they, they issued a profit downgrade. And when I rang my stockbroker, I said to, to him, I said, what, what, what's caused the, the profit downgrade? And he said that the, the grey nomads that normally go, as they're heading in toward winter, that normally go from Victoria, New South Wales, up to Queensland, and therefore they're, they're taking their motorhomes, they're spending a lot of money on fuel, they didn't, that, that didn't happen this year. Because the grey nomads understood that they were about to, if, if, if Bill Shorten got in and got the, the credits taken off, that they would be out of pocket. And so they said, well, we can't afford to have a holiday. We can't afford to travel to Queensland. And so on mass, like enough for, for, for Caltech, so a huge organisation, on mass, they, they, they decided. Now, they, they wouldn't have all got together and said, well, let's not go. But it, it's, it's the mum and dad here, it's the grand, grandma and grandpa here and the grandma and grandpa over there. And, but they understood the policy very well to the point that they changed their behaviour, to the point that it impacted in a significant way uh, a, a huge company in Australia. Um, and so I, I certainly think that, and this is a mistake that I think politicians make, is that, that they, 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 they think that the electorate are dumb. But I think that they're more articulate and more intelligent than one politicians give them credit for.
2: What are your thoughts on that, Graham?
0: I think that's an, an, a classic case of, of
3: a politics of ideology and or envy um, being short-sighted and not seeing the big picture impact and the flow on effects to the broader community and to business and if, and if company shares um react like that
0: then that has a huge impact across the whole economy
2: absolutely well,
0: and certainly and and again if you are a, a self-funded retiree um and you've got shares not only it was that was your your um franking credits potentially under threat but you just lost a, a quarter of your, your, your money that you had invested in Caltech when it goes from $28 to $21. Uh, it's a significant drop. Now, it, 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 it has come back up. You know, now that the Morrison government has won, uh, it, it's now, now back up, and I think Caltex this morning was about $28. So it is back to, to where it is there, and, and Caltech will obviously recover and there's no issues, but I'm just putting that, that statement out there just as a way of illustrating that the electorate does understand policies.
2: Hey, Graham! thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Thanks
0: for the opportunity, and,
3: and thanks for the great conversation.
2: Mate, you're welcome to call any Mate, what do you do? Are you a, you a businessman, or what, what do you do?
3: I, I work in the Queensland public sector. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You,
2: you know what you're talking about, mate. You're welcome to call any God bless. Cheers. <laughs> right <I> on. Bye-bye. <laughs> if you'd like to call through, phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. Our guest is the passionately patriotic Pastor Peter Pilt. And uh, you just got back from Chile recently. Uh, uh, Peter, tell us a bit about your trip, mate.
0: I went over there to uh, to preach at a conference on global care and justice. And actually, I was I was preaching on the, the justice imperative that comes out of the Great Commission. Okay, so Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and, uh, you know, uh, heal, heal the sick and you can tread on any deadly scorpions and it won't hurt you and you can drink any deadly thing and, uh, you know, baptize them in the name of Jesus. And, and the question that I was asked was, Where where is helping the poor in the Great Commission? Which I thought was a really great question. So I preached on that. And uh, I can can certainly go down that line if you want. But let's talk about Chile for a moment. So I was over there preaching on on that. And um, I took my 16-year-old daughter over to to Chile. It's the first time into South America. And global care uh, is is huge in South America. I mean, there's, there's so much need. We're doing a lot at the moment in Venezuela. Uh, if, if you don't know, Venezuela is, is just a broken country. I mean, it is, it is broken. It's run by a, a tyrant dictator and people are starving. Uh, you know, a, a, a chicken, to, to buy a, a barbecue chicken can cost you a month's worth of, of salary. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely crazy. So Global Care is doing a lot in feeding the children of Venezuela. Uh, Global Care is in, in places like Peru, Brazil. Argentina and, of course, Chile. It's, it's, it's just exploding over there. And one reason is because the need's so great. And so I was in Chile, and, and Chile's a great country, and Valparaiso is, is my favourite city in South America. It's just so beautiful. And, but the issue with Chile, Chile's quite prosperous and quite robust. Argentina, at the moment, is going through some economic uh, times, and if you follow currencies and that sort of thing, you'll see that the uh, Argentinian currency has been devalued by a third in the last uh, six months, and so that's causing some pain to the Argentinians. But Chile is quite robust. But the issue with Chile is that uh, there's quite a uh, disparity between the, the the haves and the have-nots, the, the wealthy and the poor. And so what happened was the politicians. When we were there, uh, we, we we kind of arrived on the Wednesday, Thursday. They the the politicians put the price of the metro ticket up by thirty pesos, which is which is not a lot of money. It's like twenty cents. Okay, not a lot of money. But that's that's it was kind of like that was the trigger point that unleashed a whole stack of protests. And so uh we we were in Valparaiso and and like we came out at our conference on Saturday night and literally a hundred meters away up the road there were tire fires and and protesters uh clashing with police and you know, we on the way back to the motel, we had to, you know, divert around several fires and protest groups, as uh, just to get to our motel. Well, that was that was kind of the Saturday. By Sunday, martial law had been put in place, um, and and there were, you know, which is quite a, a big deal. Uh, we had one guy, Nathan Ironside, one of our guys that, that was there with us. Uh, uh, Sunday night, he went out for a bit of walk. It was about eleven o'clock at night. Went out for a bit of walk. Uh, you know, typical Aussie guy. You know, we, you know. We're, we don't understand that kind of danger. We don't understand martial law. And so he went out for a bit of a walk and uh, came back and was actually scolded by the, uh, by the motel, uh, by the, the, uh, the staff in the motel, saying that under martial law, the, the army have a shoot-to-kill policy. Wow. And so he didn't realise how, uh, how much danger he was under. So anyway, so on Monday, we, Laura and I, my, my 16-year-old, uh, we were going to go for a boat trip down the coast, uh, do a bit of a tourist thing. The conference had finished. But the organisers of the conference said, look, we actually want to get you out of the city. We want to get you out of Valparaiso. We don't feel it's safe. And so we went up into the Andes. Uh, my daughter had never seen snow, so we went up about three-hour three hour trip up into the Andes. And uh, it was, we, we had a, a light breakfast, and, and we went up and we saw snow, and it was all fantastic. When we came down, there was a, a large town. It's not, a, it's not big enough to be a city, but a large town called Los Andes, and at the base of the Andes, and we, we pulled up to a lady and we said, oh, look, we want to grab some lunch. It was about 2 o'clock. Uh, we want to grab some lunch, you know. Um, could you recommend a restaurant? And the lady looked at us really worried and she said, no, just, just keep going, keep going. It's too, it's too dangerous to stop here. And we're going, well, it's 2 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. Like, anyway, she said, no, keep going. She said, go to a service station, get some takeaway food, just get out of the city. She was, like, really panicked and was like, wow, okay. So we went, we went and found a, a, a servo. We pulled up into the servo. And they were serving petrol because you could pay at the pump. But the actual service station had all been uh, vandalized. It wow. was all burnt out, smashed up. The glass was everywhere. And so we thought, okay, well, let's get out of this town. So anyway, we, we drive back to, to Valparaiso. And uh, we, we, we stop. We pull up to a toll booth. We're about to you know, get our money out to pay the toll. But we realised that every toll booth, there was eight toll booths, every toll booth had been smashed up and burnt out. Wow. And we're passing, as we're going back into Valparaiso, we're passing, I must have passed about 40 smouldering tyre fires that they light in the middle of the road to close the road. And um, as, as we get into, uh, like, burnout cars, burnout government buildings, it, it was quite tense.
2: And we've got Barbara from Queensland. How are you? Hello. Hey, Barbara, how are you?
1: Not too bad, Matt. What would you like to um, chat about? Yes. Well, Peter um, touched on it before and I thought I couldn't help but comment talking about the yeah, petrol. But the scary part is, Bill Shorten's been a politician for how many years? And he came up with all his hair, brain, just like um, desperate, desperate um, uh, uh, issues he was going to stand on. And I looked at my husband and I said, what happens if we've got to have an electric car that won't pull our caravan? <laughs> How many other people thought like that? But the other thing is, Labor has never been able to balance a budget. Wayne Swan awarded himself the best Treasurer Award. You've got to look closely at them. And I hope they never get it right. Look at, look at the ABC, that's the scary part. ABC supported them all the way. And they're still saying they don't know why they didn't win the election.
2: Peter Peter Pild, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I love the fact that Wayne Swan and he did he awarded himself
0: <laughs> the best treasurer award. think mean, that's gold, that is absolutely gold. Look, I I, I agree with um, with uh, with caller. I, I guess I guess one of the things that I, I just let me say this in defence of Bill Shorten for a moment now. Me defending Bill Shorten. Uh, wow! Wow! Anyway, let's go. Let's just let's just go down this pathway for a minute. I like the fact that at least Bill Shorten had different policies to Scott Morrison, because what we've seen with politics over the last decade, when you had when you had Malcolm Turnbull and Kevin Rudd, uh, you had it was almost like Labor and Liberal were the same party, and you actually didn't have a, a, a real choice on on different directions or anything. It was kind of like these guys are beige; they're, they're, they're exactly the same. There was there was no separation of, of, of policies, direction, and at least Bill Short had, had the, uh, I guess, the, the, the guts to to come up with with different policies. Now, certainly there were policies that I didn't agree with, uh, but at least he had a go, um, and you know had had a, a different set of policies. And I hope future Labor leaders. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I hope they, they come up with you know different policies as well. So so that at least the Australian public have a, a a choice here. They can they can either choose the conservative side of politics or they can choose the social side of politics. I I, I think there needs to be, uh, you know, a, a clear difference between the two parties so so people can choose. They can pray about it and they can choose which which way they're going to vote.
2: What are your thoughts on that, Margaret? Yeah,
1: um, that is um, that's true, but I. People are fooled, people are fooled a lot, and I don't reckon they were fooled because let's face it, a lot of us put a lot of prayer into that election, a lot of prayer and um and so god god um God's on our side God is um, he blessed us with a man like uh, with Morrison, and then a treasure is a Jew. If you want anyone to look after your money, give it to a Jew <laughs> you know let's face it we we all know I'm, that I can't, so I can't we're just so fortunate. On that. God just blessed us so much. But the other scary part is I met people who were so-called Christians who said, no, Labor um, are very good to uh, the down and out. Well, I actually haven't seen that.
2: What are your thoughts on that, Pete?
1: Uh, look, I... I
0: um, yes, yes, no. I, I guess, I guess that, that what happens is with Labor, they often come in and they'll increase... Things like the new start payment, or they'll increase the pension. Um, you know that they'll they'll generally be more. I mean, this is this is going to be a, a very blanket statement, and I may be criticised for it. But but often labour will take the country into debt, uh, and they'll do that because they they will overspend on on social programs, uh, which is why they have you know the, they have the 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 reputation, I guess, of being you know, more for the poor than, than for the, the wealthy end of town, which was Malcolm Turnbull's criticism uh, because he was there for the wealthy end of town. Liberal or the coalition generally are seen more for small business and business people, and they generally, and again, this may be criticised, but they generally will pay off the debt that Labor has, has, has incurred. Now, for instance, uh, to, to back my, my comment up, uh, Peter Costello under the Howard government paid off our national debt like we we were completely free of of any national debt but kevin rudd came in and and granted it was the gfc and he wanted to stimulate the economy uh, through you know through fiscal stimulation and he he then took the country into debt i think it was within the first eight months of his uh leadership of the country we were 250 billion dollars in debt because like I remember is I mean we had we had uh, two young daughters at the time and I remember three thousand dollars just appeared in my wife's bank account and and that was because we were we were getting family part family payment part a or something and and you know the whole idea is that we' then go and spend that three thousand dollars on a brand new TV or a brand new car or something and it stimulates the economy now we did go into recession and you know we could economically argue whether uh, that was the best thing to do or, the, or not the best thing to do. And, and I'm not going to get into that argument at the moment. But, but for me, I, I look at it and I, and I go, we are now massively in debt. And, and I think we're paying off, I think it's like $18 million a week or might be, in interest uh, on, on our national debt. Our national debt's now about $650 billion. Um, and, and so now you've got a, a coalition government and, and it, the coalition has been part for part of that as well. So I'm not just blaming the ALP entirely. Uh, I, I think that there's been some bad decisions on the coalition side of debt as well. But we're now paying off like 18 million. In fact, I think it's 18 million dollars a day. It's some huge amount that we pay as a, as a nation in interest because of our national debt.
2: Big topic.
1: That's uh, of, that that, you that had
0: that kind of went off topic a little bit. But uh, anyway, I'll throw it out there.
1: Yeah. If we had people like Trump who knew how to balance a budget, now we have. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, um, It's amazing. He's given us a second chance. He really has.
2: Good on you, so, Margaret. Um, Thanks so much for your call.
1: Yeah, All the best.
2: God bless. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Yeah. And if you'd like to join the conversation, call through on 1-800-316-316. And we've got John from Wangaratta. How are you, John?
4: Yeah, uh, good, good things, mate.
2: How can we help, mate?
4: because um, yeah just
2: um i uh, i've a couple of things
4: just to get back to earlier what peter said about um bill shorten not understanding the uh, um faith vote um i i don't think that bill and, and particularly uh, Malcolm Turnbull really understood um the um the overall um uh, <clears throat> Gospel message is it, which is that um, um, uh, that, that, our, how, it, that our, our sin separates us from from God, and, and God, as well as God's being a, a a wonderful loving God, because of the, our rebellion and our sin, um, that just shuts us off from us from Him, no matter how much we love us, and 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 there is a there is a hell and there is a day of judgment and and um, um i i guess that uh and just perhaps uh just on another important issue um where uh, there's so much uh untruths being told is in relation to um uh the, the climate crisis in that there's so much uh, money being put into um, solar. Power, but when you look at it, um, the sun only shines for in the wintertime for up to eight hours a day. You've got um, uh, 16 hours when when you've got to find a, an, another source. That it, it's uh, a lack of fuel can, the same with wind. Can, can, don't can, have I,
0: can, I in, can I jump in for a minute? I, I'm I'm actually a climate crisis skeptic, and my 16 year old daughter Laura. Shout out to Laura Pilt at King's Christian College. Uh, she's actually part of the action group that organises climate crisis protests. So we have some interesting conversations in our in our home because she's she passionately crisis climate and I'm a sceptic. But I remember I, I was in Argentina this time last year and out of the blue we weren't talking about crisis climate change or anything like that. Uh, and out of the blue, the, the pastor that I was with said, our, our weather's changed. And I said, how so? And he said, well, we used to get rain, you know, between this month and this month. Like, I think it was like something like December and February. He said, but now, and now it comes like February to April. And he said, it's, it's like radically shifted when we get our rain. And anyway, I, I just noted that down. I thought oh, that was really interesting. And, and honestly, two weeks later, I was in Papua New Guinea. And John Brass, the pastor of uh, the church up there, the INC church up in Port Moresby, picked us up from the airport and driving us along. And I made the comment, it's really dry because Port Moresby is generally you know, fairly green. And he said, again, just off the cuff, he goes, our, our, our monsoon has changed. When we get the monsoon, he said, the months has changed. And he said, it's now a shorter season. And I looked at that and I thought, like for someone again, I'm a climate change sceptic and I go... Look, I believe we need to look after our climate. We need to look after our planet. But the whole climate change thing, I just don't know. But to, to hear these guys out of the blue, kind of not talking about climate change or climate crisis or anything, just, just casually mention that their weather patterns had radically changed, I thought was really interesting. And so maybe I'm being convinced by my daughter. I'm not really sure. But I, I just... Again, as a climate change sceptic, I'm starting to go... Maybe we need to pay a little bit more attention. Just a thought.
2: Thank you for your thoughts, Pete. If you'd like to join the conversation, call through now, 1 800 316 316. And we've got uh, Chris from Victoria. How are you, Chris? Uh, Good afternoon, Pastor Matt. Am I I on? Yes, mate. What would you like to chat about? Uh, Just
5: quickly, uh, before you even start, about the. Climate change I've rung up before, you know, it's the disobedience that's changing the climate. But anyway, uh, this is about uh, if Labor has recognised that they're so wrong about Christianity, they have an absolute chance here, all of Labor, come out and support Margaret Court. You know, end the story, just say there's nothing to be... Think- support Margaret Court and tell the other people just to lay down. And also, this guy Lawrence Looney, uh, tomorrow, if one of his kids had a brain tumour and the only person that could operate was a born-again Christian, would he stick to his faith and say no, that he doesn't want that person to operate on his daughter? Uh, If someone, a born-again Christian, found a cure for AIDS, would every homosexual say no, we don't want that cure? That's the question I want to put to these guys, you know?
2: Mm, Good comments there. Pete, what are your thoughts? Okay. Let's, Let's get a
5: little
0: controversial. You want to go down
2: that pathway? Yeah, go for it, mate.
0: Do we as Christians have a right to legislate the morality of non-believers?
2: You, you can answer that one, mate. Keep going.
0: <laughs> well, like, for instance, uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe in, in Allah. Uh, I don't pray with my head towards Mecca. And I'm, I don't subscribe to the Muslim faith whatsoever. And so when they talk about Sharia law coming into Australia, which the University of Sydney has tabled a few times, uh, and that they are talking about this part of Lakemba down in Sydney that actually operate under Sharia law. When they, when they talk about Sharia law coming in, I react to that. Because I don't want them to impose their belief system and their lifestyle on me. Why? Because I don't believe in Islam. I'm definitely not a Muslim. So if I'm not a Christian, now, I, I'm not going to tell you which way I lie here. I'm just going to ask the question because I'm just going to throw it out there just because I can. Uh, so so if I'm not a Christian, what's my response when Christians want to legislate their belief system on me?
2: Jonathan, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, Sorry, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Oh,
5: well... Um... I'm I'm not sure on that but I, I what I mean is um we we were formed as a, a you know Christian country our constitution was formed by I think so in that sense everything was uh you know done under the bible and the commandments of the bible so you know we, are we a secular country that's what you, that's the question you have got to ask now then
2: Peter what's your what's your response
5: A great question and and uh yeah you know, there was a great article I mean
0: it's old now it's 2004 where... Um, Tony, uh, Tony Abbott yeah I think uh, Peter Costello Peter Costello unpacked the Judeo-Christian ethic and its influence on Australia and it, uh, I mean you'd be able to Google it you'd be able to find it it, it, was, it was at a Thanksgiving prayer day and Peter Costello unpacked the Judeo-Christian impact on Australia and it, it was brilliant and, and we are we, we are a, a, a nation that's based on the Judeo-Christian ethic. We're not a, we're not a nation based on anything else. Our, our judicial system, our, our governmental system, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not uh, steal. You know, it, it's, it's the Ten Commandments and the basis of our, 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 uh, our, our, our nation. And so in answering the question, do we have the right to legislate morality, our morality, uh, when, it's, when it's for the good of the person? I believe we do. Uh, and so I, I think, and you, what you see in the Judeo-Christian ethic is, is what's good for people becomes the basis for society, so that we have a society that doesn't uh, that doesn't celebrate murder. We we have a society where there's, you, you know, if you steal you you are punished. Why? Because because it's the Judeo-Christian ethic that allows that. And so I, I think it's good that that we have we have a basis for our nation that is founded in the Word of God. There's a really fantastic book out, uh, and look, I haven't read it yet, but I've been given a copy and I've been told it's outstanding. And it talks about the influence of the book, and it's talking about the influence of the Bible on the, on the world, on the history of the world, the influence that the Bible has had. And, you know, the people in my world that have read it rave about it and, and rave about just it just shows how important the Bible has been the civilization and the development of civilization uh, throughout time. Mm. I, I think it's called uh, built by the book.
2: Wonderful. So good. Hey, we're almost out of time, but hey, thank you so much for your call uh, today. You know, we appreciate you uh, ringing through, Chris. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Pastor Matt. God, God bless. If you'd like to call through, uh, we have actually uh, almost out of time, uh, but if you do want to join the conversation, you can make a comment at Facebook. You can go to facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. We've got an article there about how an internal ALP audit of its 2019 federal election uh, loss outlines why many faithful voters didn't go their way. Many Christians abandoned Labor because of their policies. Uh, lots of comments coming through there. Uh, you can uh, join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Uh, Narelle made a comment there saying uh, some of their policies were divisive, like the abortion policy. Uh, and Margaret made a comment there. Labor lost because we have a merciful God merciful God who hears our prayers. Uh, and uh, But the Lord is gracious and we should not be lulled to sleep in thinking our freedoms are not in jeopardy. Uh, Very good point, Margaret. Lots of great comments coming through there. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Now, before we go, Pete, uh, we started the conversation today talking about National Others Week. If people want to get involved, what's the best way to uh, look up global care and and National Others Week?
0: National Others Week is a week where we we celebrate kindness. And, you know, people often say, shouldn't shouldn't Christians be kind all day, you know, all year? Yes, they should, but National Health Week, which started on Sunday and goes till tomorrow, is just a week where we focus on that. And you can go to nationalweek.com.au, uh, You can go to globalcare.com.au. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of things, uh, uh, kind things around Australia at the moment. Uh, we're helping. We're just, we've just purchased another road train of hay for farmers. So if you want to donate uh, to, to the Farmers Appeal, you can go to Global Care, just put in the reference uh, drought or hay. Um, you know, a, a road train of hay mat costs twenty thousand uh, dollars to get to get a b double of hay. Uh, that's one hundred and sixty four bales of hay, six hundred and fifty kilos each. So um, they're massive bales of hay, six hundred and fifty kilos, one hundred and sixty four bales, twenty grand. Uh, we're helping out with the fires at the moment in northern New South Wales. Uh, there's there's fires down near Foster, but the fires have burnt through two weeks ago in northern New South Wales. We're down there. We're helping. We're helping clean up. Uh, there's a lot going on in, in the global care world. Check us out on social media. Uh, check out our website. We'd love to have people involved if they want to be involved.
2: Absolutely awesome, Pete. And before we go, uh, you know, we, we really want to ask you to pray for uh, the farmers and for the drought, but also pray for the uh, the bushfires in uh, near Foster in New South Wales. Uh, you know, there's, you know, lots of... Uh, uh, you know, massive high temperatures around Australia at the moment, uh, in some parts of Australia. It's very cold in some parts, but in some parts, and uh, massive uh, high fire danger. Would you uh, just uh, pray for our firefighters, our farmers, and for the drought, please, mate?
0: Father, we just come before you today, and, Lord, we we pray for for the reign of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as Pentecostals, I, I remember in the 80s we used to sing songs talking about the reign of the Holy Ghost raining down over us, and, Father, what we want to see now, certainly we want to see the rain of the Holy Spirit. But God, we want to see the rain in the natural. And God, we, we ask you to favour our nation with rain. Lord, that it would rain over the fire-affected areas, that the, the areas that have already been burnt out. Lord, that the rain would come down and generate new life. Father, for the fire areas right now, Lord, particularly Foster, and Lord, where there's fires right now burning, Lord, that there would be rain that would quench the fire. And Father, for... For uh, all of, of New South Wales, father, up into uh, Western Queensland, father, down into uh, parts of rural Victoria, Lord, where there's drought affected, father, we would pray, Lord, that you would break the drought, that there would be a favour that comes over our nation, Lord, that there would be rain, Lord, rain in the natural, father, that would would, would uh, parch, uh, quench the parched land, and God begin to to build, you know, uh, uh, grow crops again, father. And Lord, we, we, we pray, Father, for, for the firefighters, we pray for the victims of, of the fires, we pray for the farmers. God, we pray, Lord, that in, in times of great need, Lord, of great struggle, of great anguish, Lord, that they would reach out to the, the God of creation. Lord, they would reach out to, to the God of Australia. They would reach out to, to the God who loves them. And Father, that they, would, that they would reach out to you and God, that you would respond, Lord, that the comfort. The peace, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit would be around these guys, Father. Particularly, Lord, farmers that right now are contemplating suicide. Lord, we hold them up to You, Father. Bring people into their world, Lord, that would comfort them, Lord, that would change them, Lord, that would be a mate to them. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, and Lord, we ask for the reign of the Holy Spirit over our nation as well.
2: Amen. Amen. Wonderful, Pete. It's been so good to catch up with you, mate. And once again, what's the website if people want to look up Global Care? Globalcare.com.au. Awesome, mate. You guys are also on social media, a great organisation. Thanks for your time, mate. God bless. No worries. Great to chat.
1: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.